Hi, hello, and welcome to another episode of You Want to Watch, a podcast where I let you know whether or not that movie you're considering watching is worth it. My name is Gabby, and I know you already know what I'm going to say. It's been a minute since I recorded an episode, right? You're right. Also, you can probably guess the next thing I'm going to say, and that is that I hardly watched any movies in the past month. In April, I watched 16 movies total, and I somehow did worse than that in May, and I only watched 11. Wow, we are on a decline. We are not doing well. I'm blaming it on the movies, though, because this can't be a me problem. Like, this is not my fault that there aren't good movies coming out that I want to watch and I want to talk about. Um, It's really not my fault. It can't be me. But I will say I am doing better this year than last year. It's June and we have an episode. Guess what we didn't have June 2020? An episode. I quit recording episodes. Um, May 8th was the last episode I posted in 2020 until I posted January 11th of this year. Um, And though I have dropped off from my weekly episodes, I am still here. We are still getting content. It is still free. There's still no ads. Don't we love that? This episode is going to be a short May recap, considering I only watched 11 movies, but then we're going to be talking about A Quiet Place 2, a movie I saw in theaters. Shocking, I know. Let's get into it. I started May off on a very disappointing back-to-back double feature of two bad Netflix movies. One I talked about in length, that was The Woman in the Window, uh, that had Amy Adams. I did not like it. It was not good. The other movie, I think I briefly touched on, it had Amanda Seyfried in it. Um, It also had James Norton, who I'm a big fan of. Uh, He was in Little Women, and it's probably the only thing anybody knows him from. But I think he's fun, but um, that movie was bad. Uh, Nothing nothing redeemable about it. It wasn't like a thriller, and it wasn't a scary movie. I don't really know what I would classify it as, but I would say it's a waste of your time. Not much to say there. Like, things heard and seen... I heard and I saw nothing worth reporting. The other movie that I talked about in length on my only other episode I uploaded this month um, of content that was new, that wasn't just a recap, was St. Maud, which is available on Amazon Prime. Uh, I thought it was okay. I probably said nicer things about it in my review than I really felt, but I do think it's not a total waste of your time if you want to watch it. The other movie I talked about in that episode was Monsters. If you want to know my thoughts on that, you can go listen to it. But I'm a big fan of Calvin Harrison Jr. So there's that. Always like to see him in things. But now let's talk about movies that I haven't already spoken about on this podcast. And let's talk a little bit about Mr. Zack Snyder. Uh, It's been well documented on this podcast and um, just listening to me talk in life ever that I'm obsessed with Zack Snyder. I love that man. Uh, I think he deserves everything good in this world. If you would like to hear me talk about him in length, uh, you can listen to my Justice League episode where I talk about Justice League, but I also talk a ton about Zack Snyder and I mention how hot he is, which is a lot of fun in my opinion. So you can go back and listen to that episode if you haven't yet. But his latest movie that he released on Netflix is called Army of the Dead. It's on Netflix, as I said, but it also had a like limited theater release. Like It was playing in some theaters near me, but I have a hard time going to go see a movie in theaters if I can watch it on my TV just as easily. 
like sorry in the heights sorry lin-manuel miranda but i will not be going to a theater to see that i will be watching that on hbo max in the comfort of my own home but that's off topic Zack snyder's army of the dead is considered a zombie heist film i like zombies i like heists i like Zack snyder so i was already in on this from the start uh, he directed this movie and then helped co-write the screenplay as well. And he also like created the whole idea of the story. So this is all from the weird little mind of Mr. Zack Snyder. And this movie is considered what's called a spiritual sequel. And that's the first time I've ever heard of that term. But essentially, uh, the idea of it is that it's like a product that's inspired by something else like by the work but it's not exactly like directly related so like the events of the first thing aren't exactly what happened in the second thing wow it's a really bad description and i totally have the ability to delete this clip and re-record it but i just want it to be clear that i don't really understand what that term is and honestly you can just say like it was inspired by and we could move on but it's Zack snyder so we use weird terms i guess Anyways, it's sort of set in the same fictional universe as his first movie, Dawn of the Dead, which came out in 2004, which is also another zombie movie. So basically, like the same type of zombies, same type of feel is essentially what they're trying to say. But essentially, the plot of Army of the Dead is that there is a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas, and this group of people who are like left decide to venture in what they call the quarantine zone, where all the zombies actually exist because they live on kind of like the outskirts of the city where the zombies aren't. But if you go into the actual city of Vegas, like that's where all the zombies are still at. And so they decide to make their way there so they can pull off one of the greatest heists ever attempted. They're trying to like get all this money out of this safe in one of the casinos. And again, I like zombies and I like heists. So I thought this is going to be really fun. I will say that one of the big turnoffs I had for this movie immediately though, is that Dave Bautista is in it. And I am not a fan of his. I do not think he can act. I really think that uh, Marvel and James Gunn did us a disservice when they wrote Drax in Guardians of the Galaxy, because I don't really know what everybody's obsession with that character is, but I don't find him funny. And I think that between that movie and between Blade Runner 2049 and Mr. Denis Villeneuve, I think that uh, we gave Dave Bautista a big head. And I, I don't think I like that because now he just pops up in things randomly. Like he's going to be in Dune. He's in this. He's in other things that I've seen that I've not enjoyed him being in. And he really is. Like he's like John Cena. He's like The Rock. Like I don't know why we gave all these WWE wrestlers like these big, huge acting careers. Like I get that wrestling's all acting. So I get why you would think that they are actors. But I also think that we didn't need this to happen. We did not need to turn those three into the actors, like the action hero stars of our time right now. I just am not a fan. But I digress. Uh, he's in this movie. He's a big part of this movie. He's one of our lead characters. But we have a big cast. This is considered an ensemble cast, which basically means you have like 12 plus people that have a decent level of fame that you all put in a movie and they all sort of get the same equal amount of film time which is nice because that means like not 
all the time did we have to deal with Dave Bautista, but he was there a lot. Anyways, I don't actually have a lot to say about this movie. I do think that my expectations were like really high because I really like Zack Snyder and this movie was kind of just like okay for where my expectations were at. But I do know that it's a lot of people who went into this movie not knowing anything and like not knowing that Zack Snyder directed this or even if you knew that they didn't care. Like it didn't have any uh, impact on whether or not you wanted to watch the movie. So I will say, again, that's a personal thing. I recognize that. My expectations, once again, do not meet up to the movies that I watch, but that's just something I have to accept about myself. But I do think this is a good movie. It just wasn't as good as I was wanting it to be. Not that it matters for Netflix, though, because this movie has become their most successful movie of all time. Basically, it's the most watched original Netflix film. It had 72 million viewers in its first four weeks on the platform. I've said this before. I think I know we have to take Netflix stats with a grain of salt because I really only choose to give those up when they feel like it. But I also do think that it's interesting that we have stats for this Zack Snyder movie already when HBO Max and Warner Brothers still won't cough up the numbers for a Snyder Cut. So, I mean, I think Netflix is very intentional with releasing their stats and they're kind of like trying to throw some shade at Warner Brothers, which I'm all fine with. But I also do think that I don't know how much I trust that Netflix number because I don't think Netflix can be trusted. So either way, it looks good for Zack Snyder. It looks bad on Warner Brothers, which fun party. The only other thing that I think is worth mentioning for this movie Uh, like going into it that might be interesting something of note to point out is that it originally had uh, Christelia in the cast until um, there were several sexual misconduct allegations that were made against him uh, that happened in the the allegations came out uh, September of 2020 this movie was filmed um, like mid 2019 and so like he was already in the movie his scenes had already been filmed everything had already been wrapped but then um, Zack Snyder and the rest of the filmmakers for this movie decided to do reshoot and his character was replaced by Tignataro. Um, they fully like used green screens and CGI to get rid of Chris Delia's character and replace him with Tig, which I fully support. I don't think anybody had an issue with that. I think also Chris Delia is not like this huge, successful, like standout knockout actor that cannot be replaced for any reason. Like nobody, nobody is that level. Like everybody is replaceable. I don't care who you are, but like, it's good that at least there was no like holding on to him for whatever he brought to the movie. And then that's all to say too, that like the character wasn't that interesting. Like I like Tignataro, but I also don't think she brought a lot to the movie. Like she was cool, but there wasn't a lot there. So I don't know. Glad Chris was replaced, but I also think it was easy because the role wasn't that important. Also, though, shout out to Netflix for that choice as well, because they had to spend is what's being reported as a few million dollars on the reshoots for that. So I'm glad that they were willing to spend a ton of money on what seemed like from a filmmaking standpoint, like not that big of a difference, but obviously from like a human 
standpoint and what's right and what's wrong kind of a standpoint, uh, removing Chris Delia was the right idea and the right choice. And I'm glad that they were willing to cough up that money to do so. Like, obviously, Netflix is not hurting for cash. They have the money to do that. But not every company, not every distributor would make that decision. And so I'm glad that that was done here. Props to you, Netflix. I will give credit where credit is due. There is like a prequel and a sequel planned for this movie um, that, again, I will probably only watch if it's on Netflix or like on some streaming platform because I don't think I care that much about this universe to pay a bunch of money to go to a movie theater to see it. Um, But I support Zack Snyder and getting more money and making more movies. So all props to him. The other movies that I watched this month that were new to me was I watched Minority Report that has Tom Cruise in it. It's like a movie from like early 2000s. I don't know why I really had an urge to watch this movie. I think I saw a tweet. Somebody was comparing like something that's happening in our year 2021 to Minority Report. And so I decided to watch it. And it wasn't a total waste of my time, but it was a too long of a movie. And if I'm going to watch something with Tom Cruise in it, I really should just stick to like Top Gun or the Mission Impossible movies because I really don't get anything out of him in anything else. So we will move on from that. I also watched Greenland, which was that Gerard Butler movie that came out at some point in 2020. Um, that one's on HBO Max. So it's like super accessible if you have HBO Max and you would like to watch it. I didn't love it, didn't like it, I think, either. I gave it two stars. Um, I don't really know how I feel about it. Two stars is like a low rating, I know, but I think it was mostly just a forgettable movie. Like, I'm not going to be thinking about it for very long after this, after talking about it right in this moment. Um, It was just a very superficial, basic apocalypse type movie. Every plot point that was like big in the movie was abandoned. Like, I feel like the kid had diabetes and that was like a very, very important, very major plot point for like 40 minutes of the movie. And then I feel like it just like dropped off after a certain point, which was unfortunate because it could have been something that like kept giving them issues and they just abandoned it. There's plenty of other plot points that were like important at different points. And then all of a sudden you just forgot about them, which not a big fan of. I think we should see everything through to the end because I think that has like the best payoff, obviously. So I was bummed about that. And then also I couldn't tell the entire movie if Gerard Butler was supposed to have an accent. And that also really bothered me because like it felt like he wasn't supposed to And then he would say certain words and then I could hear the accent, but I couldn't tell if that was on purpose. And then there was a whole like plot point about another character, like basically saying like that Gerard Butler's character wasn't American enough and he didn't deserve to be saved because he clearly like wasn't from America. So then I thought like, well, maybe he is supposed to have an accent. He's not supposed to be American, but then like it would come and go still. So I was not I'm not sure still if he was supposed to have an accent. I like looked it up. I couldn't figure out where his character was supposed to be from. The movie was set in Atlanta. He didn't have a Southern accent, but he didn't have like my level California accent either. So he kind of sounded Irish, but not really. I think the biggest mystery of this entire movie is Gerard Butler's accent, which is probably like the story of his life, right? 
The next movie that I watched that I will talk about briefly before we get into my A Quiet Place 2 review is I watched Wrath of Man, which is Guy Ritchie's newest film that stars Jason Statham. This is like the sixth movie that they've done together. They love working together. It's a good duo. You already know what you're going to get from a Guy Ritchie film. You throw Jason Statham in, you really know what you're going to get. It's going to be a lot of white men, a lot of misogyny, some light racism sprinkled in, but there's going to be a lot of cool fight scenes. There's going to be a lot of cool gun scenes. So like, you know what you're getting and then they just give it to you. So I do have to give Guy Ritchie props for that because I always know what I'm going to get out of his movies. Was this as good as The Man from U.N.C.L.E.? Absolutely not. No, that's his best movie. I feel like that's also the only movie where he sort of flips the script. Where like there's a lot of misogyny in that movie and a lot of like male toughness for no reason. But I feel like it was like the lightest version of that Guy Ritchie has ever done. I guess if you don't count Aladdin, which we could have a discussion about that, I guess. But like The Man from U.N.C.L.E., like Guy Ritchie outdid himself and I'm really mad I know this is like not the end of the world, obviously, but I am personally bummed out that we will never be getting a Man from Uncle sequel in the wakes of the Army Hammer scandal. But again, as I was talking about with Christelia, I am happier that we have some accountability and we have consequences of actions in uh, white men in Hollywood. Like, I'm glad that they are facing repercussions for their actions at this point because we've been a long time coming with all of that of stuff getting brushed under the rug and now there are consequences to our actions which involve not getting large film roles not continuing to get put into movies and I want to see more of that so yes I'm bummed no man from uncle sequel but it's for a good reason so I'll move on but yeah wrath of man Guy Ritchie Jason Statham uh, it also had Josh Hartnett in it, which I have not seen Josh Hartnett in a movie in a hot minute. Like he fell off the face of the earth to me. Um, I don't think he did a lot in this movie. Like he's not memorable or anything, but you see him. And if you've seen Josh Hartnett in anything, he's still recognizable. And it was a very weird time for him to show up, but that happened. Also, there's a post Malone cameo in this and not a cameo like he's just in this movie as a character for five seconds. And it's the weirdest thing. Like he's not playing post Malone, which is what the word cameo would imply. I've used that word wrong, but he just shows up in the movie. And the first thing I did when I saw his face was yell, wow, that's post Malone. So I guess that's what Guy Ritchie wanted me to do. Um, I think that's fun. I think we should put more like random actors and rappers into things where I'm not expecting them and then immediately kill them so that it's not a whole gimmick for the entire movie. I thought that was fun. Another person in this movie who was randomly included, in my opinion, that was not fun, however, was Scott Eastwood. Um, I'm not a fan of Scott Eastwood. I don't think he can act. I was mad when he was included in the Fast and Furious franchise. Uh, I'm not happy that he was included in this movie. I, again, don't think he can act. He's just like embarrassing to me. I don't know what it is about his presence. I think it's because he thinks he's really cool. Like as a person, Scott Eastwood thinks he's like too cool. So he brings that presence to every 
acting role that he has and it's just it's not accurate like Scott Eastwood is the opposite of cool he's very embarrassing to me so to watch him like try and be macho and like try to be this big tough guy um not fun I also don't think he plays a good villain like he's just not scary so I didn't like that I think if you can find this movie uh, somewhere to watch for free the way I did, I won't tell you how I did that, but I did watch this movie for free. Uh, I think that it's worth it because I do think that there's lots of fun things about this movie, but I wouldn't pay any money to see it. So if that's how you're going to have to watch it, I would say wait and find a way to not have to pay to see it and then watch it and have a good time. Okay, now we are here for my review of A Quiet Place 2, a movie I said I was never going to watch and then watched the first weekend it was out in theaters. Wow, so on brand. What's actually even more on brand for me after saying I wasn't going to see it at all is that I saw it in IMAX. I paid a crap ton of money to go with my friend Miguel to watch this movie. And guess what, you guys? Guess what? I really liked it kind of pains me to say that because um again was not expecting to see this movie at all I had no plans to and then I went to go see it and I walked out giving it four stars we're already gonna give that spoiler away I gave this movie four stars so if you live under a rock you might not know that A Quiet Place 2 is a sequel to A Quiet Place (laughs) fun right uh, a Quiet Place, the first one came out in 2018. It was John Krasinski's first directing role, I believe, um, and he starred in it. And then he also decided to put his wife, Emily Blunt, in it. And she plays his wife in the movie as well, because why not keep it in the family? I, for one, love that choice because I'm a big fan of Emily Blunt. I have loved her since The Devil Wears Prada. So I watch just about anything she's in because I think she's a good time. In that first movie, we are introduced to this like apocalyptic world where this family uh, lives in silence because there are these like disgusting looking awful creatures who hunt people by sound that end up on earth in whatever little town they're in. And so to keep alive and to not attract any of those awful monsters, they have to live in silence. And the daughter is deaf and she is played by a deaf actress which was a really big deal when this happened because a lot of times um there is not accurate representation from actors to characters and this was a one of the first instances of a deaf actress or actor playing a deaf character so representation matters i want to see more of that in the future big props to john krasinski for choosing this actress to play this character for making that choice for highlighting her in his film but the first movie unfolds and the only reason I'm going back this far is because the second movie picks up like right when the first movie ends um so like spoiler I guess if you haven't seen the first one I don't know why you would want to listen to me talk about the second one if you haven't seen the first one but like spoilers from here on out I guess uh John Krasinski's character dies at the end of the first one he like sacrifices himself to save his family and so the second movie opens with his family uh they are traveling away from their house where they've lived because like the monsters found them at that house and basically they have to like keep moving now because I guess technically the word would be like they've been like 
compromised like now like the monsters are going to know people live there and so they need to keep moving that was kind of unclear to me I did not like the first movie I kind of I watched it in theaters once and then I put it out of my mind like I didn't think it was super like mind-blowing the way everybody did at the time because one of the big gimmicks about this movie is like because of the silence and because of the deaf character in the movie that a lot of the movie is silent like it's called a quiet place for a reason but like there's a lot of um like dead silence throughout the movie where there's like nothing to hear and I do think that it's interesting but I also thought that in the first movie it got boring really fast so I was not a huge fan of it as as a whole also this movie um relies on the fact that it's quiet obviously so it expects you to be able to watch it in a format where other people are quiet and movie theaters are not that place you cannot go to a movie theater and expect not to like hear people talking and making noise because people have no respect your boundaries obviously like no common sense nothing so my showing of the first movie was not quiet at all I did not have a good time from that perspective but then I also didn't think the movie was that good so I said I was not ever planning to see the second one And then obviously it did and I had a good time. So I have to kind of eat my words there. John Krasinski couldn't help but still put himself in the second movie. But I thought it was a good choice. Like We start off with the flashback of um, the day that the monsters sort of like showed up. Like I don't know if it was like a meteor from the sky or really what happened. It's not explained well because I don't think they need to fully explain it because the characters don't know really why these things show up there's kind of like this big explosion in the sky and then all of a sudden all of these monsters are now like ravaging the town and the flashback is important because we are introduced to one Killian Murphy he is added into the second movie I'm a big fan of his I think most people are if you've seen Peaky Blinders if you've seen the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy like you know Killian Murphy is talented so Definitely think he was a good choice to have into this movie, but um, he's somebody that the family that we're following in both movies knows from like T-Ball and stuff, and it's a small town, so everybody kind of knows each other, but he becomes an important character throughout this second movie, but I liked that we kind of got a little glimpse of like how their life was prior to all of this, and then sort of were brought back into present time, and everything's kind of like gone to shit, and everything's awful. Um, which, yeah, that's just how life goes, I guess. But as I said, the family is traveling, trying to get to a different location. Uh, the daughter is trying to figure out, um, if she can hear any like radio stations that will give her clues to see if there's anybody else out there alive and if anybody's safe. And while they're on this journey, um, they run into like this like booby trapped warehouse and it's guess who Killian Murphy's character who is like hiding out at this warehouse and he has it set up so that he can't get like snuck up on but in doing that they attract one of the huge monsters and so they all have to like rush down to safety into this room that Killian Murphy's character has all set up and then from there they like try and continue to find the other groups of people that the daughter thinks are out there even though Killian Murphy tells her like anybody who's still alive at this point is not a person worth saving because it's been like almost 500 days that these like monsters have been like roaming the earth so he's like 
there's no point in doing this. Like, we're just going to live until we die, essentially, which kind of poetic, kind of depressing, but it is what it is. I won't go into how, like, the whole movie ends because I don't want to spoil that. But I will say um, this movie had so many jump scares and I've never been so, like, actually, like, jumped by a jump scare the way I was, like, half of all of these in this movie. I swear it was, like, more than half actually like really got me um it was awful I was truly like I could not breathe I was very stressed out the entire time but like in a fun way it it doesn't sound fun I'm sure but I had a good time because I actually was like taken aback a lot of the times by them and pretty often like you can like guess when jump scares are going to come out and like this movie you can and then they throw in like another four that you totally weren't guessing were going to happen because you already had gotten one and so you thought you were safe and you were absolutely not safe because John Krasinski is very mean and he's going to throw like another five in there to make you really stressed out. I also thought that the absence of sound was used a lot better in this film than it was in the first. Like, I don't know if doing less for John Krasinski in this movie by really only directing and not directing and also acting like made the movie better, but that's what I'm going to attribute it to because he only had to really like direct. He didn't have to also act. He had less on his plate, which I think made for a better movie. Also, I didn't say this, but Noah Jupe plays the older son in the family, and I'm a big fan of his. I think he's very talented. Um, He was in Honey Boy, where he did an amazing job. He was also in the HBO show The Undoing, which took everybody by storm last year, or was I think that was last year. I really am losing track of time, but it was that HBO show with Nicole Kidman and Hugh Dancy that everybody was losing their minds over. Not Hugh Dancy, Hugh Grant. Wow. Wow. Let me get my facts straight, right? Anyways, the point was Noah Jupe's very talented. He plays his son. He's he's very good in A Quiet Place Part 2. So that was my point, was he was a highlight of the movie as well. But overall, I, I do think this is a very well done movie. I was shocked and surprised that I liked it so much. But again, I gave it four stars. I would recommend anyone who is sort of interested in seeing it to go watch it because I, again, thought it was fun. I was stressed out, but I liked that. Like I thought it was a good level of stress. I haven't felt that way about a movie in a minute. So highly recommend it if you are any way interested in watching A Quiet Place Part 2. But that wraps up most of the movies that I watched in the month of May. The only movie I'm leaving out is that I rewatched The Fast and the Furious, the very first one, because I am planning on doing a Fast and Furious Saga miniseries where I am going to talk about all eight of the Fast and Furious movies we have. And then I am going to go see F9 and I will have a full episode on that. And I'm very excited the fast saga i think is what they're calling it whatever it is it's one of my favorite movie franchises of all time and i'm excited to talk about it at length so hopefully you join me for those episodes and if not i'll catch you in the next one Thanks so much for listening to this episode of You Wanna Watch. You can find me on Apple Podcast and Spotify, as well as on Twitter at YWWpod and Instagram at You Wanna Watch.